On this episode of Family History Ron, it's take two of the favorite episodes ever, meaning it's Ron divulging all things family search, what's coming down the line, what's happening post Roots Tech 2019. There's so much excitement, so many questions, so many exciting things happening. It's going to be one of those episodes that you do not want to miss. So, Whatever you're doing, hit pause and stay tuned. I promise it is worth it. See you soon. And we're live. Yeah. Anyone out there? Oh, I'm still coming. I got to check my phone anyway because I got some answers on a couple things that I wrote in. Oh, Okay. Oh, we got three people. Hello, hello. It's good to see you. Or yeah. Can you hear us okay? Let us know. Oh man. The glasses are dirty, huh? Apparently. I don't know how to take them off without touching the lenses, I guess. Oh, we're up to nine. You're written thumbs up, so I guess that means good things. Yeah, by music, Harris. That or they're all going to be lip readers tonight. Yeah. I'm here from Montanapolis, but fading fast. Oh, it's getting slate, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, Annapolis, yeah. Here. And Harris is fine. Well, I guess I answered one question I sent myself. All righty. Glad everybody's joining up. We'll wait just a couple minutes. It's just 7.30 now. We'll give everybody a minute or so. Hope oh, everybody's what? having a... From Georgia. Yeah. Oh, be careful. Lots of storms coming your way. Yeah. We finally had a decent day today. I mean, I thought I was going to have to go buy me some Gore-Tex. and. <laughs> we thought we'd move to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, because yeah, we oh. were getting rain every single day. We've I mean, had, lots. We'll have... Three nice days, and then Easter Sunday, it's going to get crappy again. Yeah. But, but it was nice today. Well, yesterday was nice, and today was nice. Utah in the desert, we we need our water, so hush up and take it. We appreciate it. That's right. But some spots are like 200 and something percent. Yeah, we're over 200 percent of our water normal, but yeah. that won't still won't fill all our reservoirs. Yeah. Welcome to Wyoming. Welcome from Wyoming. There's Cousin David in Holbrook. Oh, yay. Temple, Tempe, Arizona. Got mm. some tanners down there. Or Turleys. Turleys, at Turleys, least. a lot of those, and Romneys. It's only 6.30 in Arizona. All right. Hello, Michigan. Yeah, look at there, from Michigan. Mm. We're getting them from all over. You got up 26, I'd say start. Yeah, it's time. We're going to go ahead and start. I had one question I took last time. Instead, uh, what's the standard for sealed only items in the tree? Okay. So this means um, that you know there was a period of time in the early church history where it was tradition that uh, people uh, people would seal themselves to a not uh, you know a notable church leader, you know a prophet or apostle or Someone who has, uh, you know, shown themselves as being a friend to the church, sort of thing, you know, some, and they used to seal themselves to that uh, to that person, and it was considered acceptable. And then in uh, 1894, Wilford Woodruff, he uh, they, he had had a revelation about it and announced the general conference in 1984. That we're no longer doing that. We should be sealing to our parents, our fathers, our own families, and up our father's lines. And that's sort of what kicked off the start of the uh, uh, Utah Genealogical Society. That happened seven months later. Um, so the answer is those sealings are valid, but the intent of family tree is to have genealogically correct information because we're trying to document the families of the world. And so uh, what I ask people to do is to make sure that it's genealogically accurate. So if the couple was not married 
or didn't have or didn't have children or didn't cohabitate, then they should not be listed as a spouse, even if they were sealed only ordinances done in the past for those people. It doesn't make the sealings go away. It doesn't make the sealings be invalid. It's just we're trying to make the tree genealogically correct because that's the goal and to represent the families as constituted uh, in their life. And um, so that's what I recommend for that. Perfect. All right. What do we got? Next three. Uh, this is from Carl Greenwood. Oh, look at this. So we got somebody from New Zealand. Wow. What is it? Dedication. Is it, I don't know what the time it is in New Zealand. What, what time, time is it in New Zealand right now? Okay. It says, can you provide more detail on how Family Tree will, tree will support fan relationships and when will it be available? Uh, well, I'm not talking anything about when it's going to be available. The, well, his standard thing is sometime either before or after the millennium. Yeah. Uh, well, because priorities always change around, and sometimes things have to shuffle. And if it doesn't get released when I told you it's going to be released, you give me nasty emails. So um, <clears throat> let me talk a little bit about my idea of fan relationships. As you know, for those who are familiar with Elizabeth Shown Mills, she sort of fan relationships have been around for a long time. She kind of phrased a fan club uh, to talk about that to make it more of a something that people talk more about. And FAN just stands for Family, Associates, and Neighbors. So the idea is that to help in your genealogical research, sometimes you need to look at surrounding individuals, like neighbors or associates or, or other family member, to learn about the family you're trying to research. And uh, the idea that we are considering, and I'd love to hear your answer, is uh, on the person page, you have the husband and the wife, and then you have child, 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 and then you have the parents of the husband. He is drawing something, so right. he'll show you, I guess, in a second. And then you get siblings down the side. So as you've seen before on the, on the person page, when it comes to relationships, you see this kind of stuff. You know, the husband and the wife, one of them is the primary person, so it's in bold. You see all the children of that particular family, and then you see the uh, the parents of the highlighted person. So in this case, the husband would have been the primary person page you're looking at. So you'd see the, that person's parents and then siblings. And the idea with <clears throat> band relationships is that we would uh, put other, we'd probably call them other relationships, since others, uh, people may not know, understand what fan means. So we'll have a section probably below this one that says other relationships. And you can, uh, and in this concept, we would um, allow you to create relationships between two people that are not familiar, familia, family, not children or parents or grandkids. Although you could do, you know, ancestor. This is, this was my, an honored ancestor, or this is my, Famous ancestor. I don't know if we'll do that, but and you put in there uh, one of the, one of the most uh, one of the interesting ones. Is think of about uh, the homeowner and a border, for instance. So here here's an example. So you you'd have a so underneath the relationships you'd have other relationships, and then you could link two people together. So for instance, home this part this side would always be the primary person. So this this side would represent what is the husband, you know, the husband was the homeowner, uh, and then he had a border. And so this side would have a, would be this person up here, the, the homeowner, I can't do it because it's backwards, homeowner. And then over here, this would be a border, so that would be attached to a PID out there in the tree that says, and then there may be some data here, you know, like dates and places and things like that. And that would link this person with this person to say, that this person was a border in this, in this home. And on the border on the borders PID, you would see the same thing, but it would be flipped. It would say border on this side and homeowner on this one. So that's the idea. And you can use that thing to document. We wouldn't want to document every single, you know, neighbor, every single every single uh, person that lived, you know, within a mile or anything like that. But the ones that are uh, important and can be helpful and useful in researching further we'd want that plus you know this would also work for for those those that are working on uh, slave 
uh, family relationships to slaves, oftentimes they'll they'll see the slaves in a census. So they'll see this, this, if this particular person was a slaveholder, uh, then you you could put this person as uh, I don't know what the names would be. We have to be correct in society. So we're talking about those kinds of things. I think they call it. Uh, I don't know if they call it slaveholder or slave owner or something, and then the indentured, indentured uh, uh, servant over here, and that would allow the community who's researching their African American or African uh, ancestors to be able to take that census that lists him as a, as the sort of homeowner, and the slaves are listed in the census to be able to put that information down here, and that allows that slave family or the set of family to be connected to this person and it will help uh, provide them an anchor in the tree where they can reside until relationships uh, further back can be discovered and, and connected mm -hmm. and then people could then start building from the you know if this was a slave an indentured servant or indentured uh, slave they uh, they could build the family descendant wise as they're trying to work on the on going up so you know, we're, we're still investigating this. We're still uh, trying to decide what the pairs would be. They would be defined pairs. We won't allow people to just make any pair. So we're, uh, we're visiting with the Chief Genealogical Office, David Rencher and so forth, and others to help us understand the, the most important set that would be of most value. And then we'll just, you know, periodically reevaluate that. So that's, that's other relationships, which I, you know, call fan relationships in my conversations. So there you go. All right, what's next? Uh, somebody wants the ability to rename audio files. So it's, she says that oh. sometimes she just types her name in real quickly, but later she wants to rename it. <laughs> anyway, this okay. is from Joy, and it says, if someone is listed on a census record as married, is that considered a marriage record? If they're listed on what? On a census as married, is that considered a marriage record? Well, no, it's not considered a marriage record. It's considered a census. But you can imply that they were married, especially if they say mother, father, husband, wife, and then they have a list of children in the household. Most people can use that information to make a reasonable genealogical conclusion that those two were a couple and that they had those children. And so it's reasonable to create a marriage relationship. The system will, will guide you to create a, a marriage relationship there because you found them as a family in the census. But it, it would not, I wouldn't consider it to be a proof of a marriage record because it doesn't have any marriage information in it at all. Okay. okay. Here's another one from Rachel. And it says, if we get a name from ordinances ready but aren't able to complete the ordinance, how do we turn it back over to the temple? Just share it? No, if you have an ordinance ready and you reserved it through ordinance ready and you have the 90 days and you decide you're not going to do it, just release, just unreserve it. Just go to your reservation list and click it and say unreserve. And then it'll go back to the, uh, to the temple list where it came from. We keep track of where it was from and we just put it back in the same place in line. And so you just unreserve it. Good question though. This is from Cheryl. I do not like the new merging duplicates process in family search. <coughs> I have been using the merging system for years, and it was convenient when the duplicates had names, and you could click the name of each duplicate, and a block was open where you could see the status of ordinances on each duplicate before you decided how or when to merge. Now there are not even names on the duplicates. It takes longer to go back and forth to each duplicate's detail page before you merge. Very lengthy process when it was so simple before the change. On a couple occasions, it it shows the old system when I was attempting to merge, but it only lasted for a few minutes. Do you have a better way to merge? Um, I don't know. I'm a bit confused because the family tree merge uh, didn't really show that, and I don't think the old the old new family search system even showed ordinances um, as part of a merge. Or, or back in new family search, they did combine and separate. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure I'm confused whether you're talking about the source linker that's trying to attach a record or whether you're actually merging two people but uh, I'll uh, I'll write down there's there has been some people that have requested to see ordinances 
but uh, I'd like to understand from you all that ordinances is not evidence that the because ordinances were done aren't necessarily evidence that that they were a couple as I talked about the ceiling stuff there could have been errors that were made in the past uh, I don't know if you can rely on ceilings for that so some of you out there who have more experience with this or may understand better what she's talking about uh, could maybe pipe up something in the comments okay this is from Rex how do you feel about having a skip button by each ordinance ready candidate I asked for an endowment and the offered person has no sources or hints and I do not have the time or skill to research them I would like to click skip and leave him for another patron I may want to get a candidate who is more ready well, right. which one are you reading? Right oh, down there. Oh, well, uh, when you do ordinance ready, when the screen comes up, and this is both in the mobile app and on the on the uh, website, I believe they both work the same. Let's say you say ordinance ready, and you get you know person one, person two, person three. You know, it could be however many. Off to the side is a little check box, a little check circle, and it has, you know, information in between. So when you say, ordinance ready, I want baptism confirmation, or I want endowment, you get a list of people that we're offering to you, and there's a, like a continue button down here that you, you hit continue, and it accepts the offer. But you can go and uncheck these things right here. You can, you can click, this is where you can click view relationship and, See how I'm related, and if you don't want to take the person, just uncheck that checkbox over on the side, and uncheck the ones you don't want to take, and then push the continue, and it'll only it'll only reserve the ones that you left checked. So that's Great. how you do that. So now somebody else had a question here, Karen Jorgensen. Hello, Karen. I think we've communicated an email. Doesn't she? She's uh, stating that ordinances are lost and emerge. I think that's a good that's a good question, and let me respond to that question saying ordinances are never lost. And we have this was one of our most crucial elements of merging and ordinances. And we we were very careful and we continue to test it, and we have no cases where ordinances are lost. But I will I will explain why you may think they have been. And if you have a particular case that this doesn't work, then please send me an email. Ron at FamilySearch.org with more details, the PIDs, the two ones that were merged, what ordinance you think was lost. So let me explain how it works. So if this is, over here. He is drawing. Okay. So I'm going to start off like this. The way ordinances work in the tree is you have person one, that's your PID one, and you have person two. And ordinances are kept in a uh, highly secure, duplicated database we call the temple database. And when this ordinance is about this person, they're linked like attached, like an attached source. Think of it like that. But no one can remove it. Only uh, only admins can affect this stuff. And so I'm going to say this person has two ordinances, ordinance 1A and ordinance 1B, whatever they are. Baptism confirmation doesn't matter. And then here's person 2, and they also have ordinances, 2A, 2B, 2C. Okay. Then let's say that P2 is merged into P1. Okay. You're going to take P2 and put it inside of P1. Well, when that happens, this is what happens. We put a link over here to 2A, 2B, and 2C. So we make a copy. You can't read that very well. I thought I was very good at writing that, but it was at a different angle. 2A, in a hurry, 2B, right 2C. So we make a link to not only the, the 1A and 1B is there, but now the 2A, 2B, and 2C is also hooked to P1. And this person goes away, right? This person goes away because he's merged away. So he's archived away. This person has all of the ordinances, 
from both people. Then what happens is we run a process. It now it may it, in some busy days like a Sunday or some other big days it may take a few minutes for this to happen, but within a few minutes. And by the way, we're working on making it faster, and it'll probably be done sometime Before beginning. Yeah, well, this one will actually be sometime early next year. <laughs> it'll be faster, and then you have to refresh your page after the merge. So you refresh it a couple times, wait three or four or five minutes, and then refresh it. And what we do is we calculate what's called the effective ordinance. So the effective ordinance is the first ordinance. So that could mean that this one is shows, and this one shows, and this one shows as the ordinances on this person. Because they were the earliest ordinances. This is a baptism, this is confirmation, this is, this is a, an initiatory or something. Those were the ones that show on this person because those were the effective ordinances, the ones that were done earliest. Now, if you're looking after merge for that 1B to show up or that 2A to show up and it doesn't, it's probably because it's a duplicate ordinance and it's not the first one. Okay. Now, just to go a little further, I'm going to go back and get rid of this stuff here, little circles. Now, let's say... I unmerge, so I get rid of that. I want to unmerge, so I restore this one back because I, oops, I did the wrong thing. When that happens, we go over to this guy over here and we remove these from that person, and then we recalculate here the effective ordinances, and they'll show up. Okay, that's how merge works, and we're very deliberate and very careful to make sure that it always works well this way. And I have not been able to discover a case yet where we have not done the proper things. If you believe this, you found one, then be sure and let me know. Okay. Not a question, just a great big thank you. Oh, well, thank you very much. From Denise. She has. She says she just loves the new feature where the temple sends a message letting us know. Oh, yeah. They've been completed. A lot of people have been liking that message. I uh, have. Yeah. That's nice. Anyway... Here's one from Mary. It says it appears to be taking about two years for mail names that we sh oh, excuse me, share with the temple to be completed. I've been told that when we share a name with the temple, that it goes into the temple in our temple district. Is that the case? And is two years an average time for shared ordinances to be completed? I'm just wondering, is there a faster way to get them done? <laughs> okay, well, yes. Today, when you share to the temple, those ordinances are set aside for your temple district. And the only time they're done somewhere else is if there's another temple district that doesn't have that ordinance. Let's say you shared an endowment and uh, you're in line in this in your temple district. Maybe there's a 1,000 or 2,000 endowments in front of you. So you got to wait to move to the front of the line. But during that time, let's say that another temple needs an ordinance and I can't remember if they take the earliest or what, but they, they grab one from that temple district and give it to the other temple district. If it's yours, you know, then you're in a short line and you get stunned right away. The average, you know, we analyze the average of length of time it takes to, to ordinances to get done through the temple because we want it to have a regular progression. And it just all depends on the temple district you're in. If you have lots of people in your temple district that do family history and they and a lot of them that submit to the temple you got a big line if you're in another temple district and there's then people don't submit a lot of uh, names to the temple the line's short it's just the just the way it is now in the future which we're hoping sometime in you know end of the year or first half of next year we're going to complete our work where we're changing the whole inventory system where it will be no longer restricted to a particular temple district. Instead, it will be a global temple list that any temple will take the oldest one that's been waiting in line first, no matter what temple it is. So we, that just makes it more fair, and it kind of makes it very orderly, and then you'll start seeing movement of, of ordinances that are happening. Um, some that have been waiting a long time in some temple districts will, will get done quick because they'll be the first ones to spread around all the 100 and, you know, 200 temples or whatever they are now. It seems like it keeps growing all the time. More temples growing, the faster it'll it'll go through. <coughs> Plus, you have to also remember that people are starting to bring their own cards more, so that reduces the amount of people that are 
you know, taking temple names. However, things like ordinance ready and other things we are planning on doing will actually encourage people to take their relatives who may be on the temple list and we'll just give them to them and they can take it. So it's going to be cool. I know. I yeah, it's, it's, the, it's looking good. It's looking good. Uh, this one was really long. I think you ought to answer him separately. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, L. That's all that anything. Oh, here. The way you're, let, me, let me just answer one out here. It says, I keep finding families that are in-laws to my 1800 cousins. They are not really blood relatives, but their children would have a common ancestor with me. Can I do the temple work for them? The answer is yes. The, the policy is you can go up your line, direct line. And then you can go down the, the and get the descendants of that direct line. You can't turn around and go back up again, uh, like a, over a spouse, and, and go do that line unless you have a common ancestor. So, yes, you can do those that are going up or going down. Uh, let me just see if there's a, anything else in here. Okay, go ahead, Sri. This one's from L. I guess it's Hernandez. Anything new in family search for Hispanic research, training, helps, et cetera? Oh, um, well, we did. We have a, uh, if you remember the church, it's, we have a lots of uh, uh, Mexican records, um, censuses and stuff. We continue to partner and work with others to get more of those records. And actually, I think there's lots of the intensity right now with uh, South America and, 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 and Central America, uh, Mexico and, and down to try to get more opportunities. We're all constantly going to places and, and trying to make arrangements to be able to film and index their records so that we can provide them for you. So I know in particular they're trying to really get as many uh, or get more Latino records uh, than we have right now. So just stay tuned. This is from Colin. Is there a version of the family tree app in, oh, if a family tree app version in Ancestry is buggy, is it possible to roll back the app to answer an early to an earlier version? In, in other Ancestry. Words, no, in Android. Android. Can uh, you roll it back and get an older one? I don't think the current so. one is buggy. I don't think so. But you should certainly report the bug in the Android. Uh, so send me an email, Ron at FamilySearch.org. And I'll make sure that that uh, that the team that does mobile has that information. So please send that to me. Okay, here's one from Diane. I've noticed that names that have been shared to the temple file are a long time for a long time are gone. Does this mean that Family Search has escalated in doing the ordinances in the temple file? No, I just think ordinances ready has helped a lot in getting a lot of the names that were in the temple file uh, done. Because people are. Uh, you know that some for some people this is the first time they've actually been able to actually get an ordinance from their family yeah and uh and because it's just hard to find and they're ready to go and and stuff like that so okay let's see justin says uh, she might be referring to how some places you can click on a person's name and it comes up with a pop-up summarizing information about the person including the ordinance oh okay so justin's speculating that the prior question was about the person card that's what we call it the person card when you click a name and it pops up and it shows just some basic, you know, birth, death, and uh, and then memories and how many counts. And then it has the ordinances down below. Those ordinances are also the effective ordinances. You hover over it, and it'll actually tell you the dates and, and temples. But uh, uh, I'm guessing you used to be able to click on a possible duplicate in the sidebar to the right and, and the person. I don't remember us ever showing possible duplicates of uh, ordinances. Mm. Um, okay. Um, I'm just, one off your yeah, I'm gonna ask one of mine here. A performance issue here. So. Mm -hmm. Computers, computers, computers. Uh, somebody asked if I can get notified when you are live in the future, and the answer is yes. You just need to. I think friending me, friending the family history Ron page will, when we enter an event, will cause you to get notified. I don't know if it will. We have we have one next week, so. Next Thursday, we have the, another live. That's right, because the next week, we're taking off to go watch our daughter get remarried, yeah. which we're very excited about. We like this guy very much. Yeah, so we needed this. We wanted to do two, so we, but we, so we squished them together. 
So, but I think that that's it. She usually will post the time and everything, but she's been a little bit nutty lately. So, yeah, well. anyway. All right. Do you want this one? Yeah. This one's from Lee, and it says, Ordinance disappearing. It seems like completed ordinances are disappearing from records a lot more than in the past. I assume this is due to a record merge and ordinances not, not tracking the merge records. Would you mind showing us how the completed ordinances track through merges and other record changes and combinations? Well, there you go. I just did that. Okay. So also show how reserved ordinances are removed if records are merged and the second and third, etc. merge record has completed ordinance. Just so we know to whether to worry or not uh, about these uh, merge situations. Yeah, in a merge, like I said, no ordinances are lost. In a restore or unmerged, the ordinances are put back where they were. Uh, what was it? He has secondary one? He said, I guess this more merges on a second or third. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many merges there are. Um, it does the same thing. You know, you only do one merge at a time. And so if these two got merged, ordinances get on that one. And then if this other one gets merged with it, then it just, the ordinance is all transferred to the survivor in all cases. So Monique said, uh, didn't we used to be able to undo someone else's merge in the change history? And the answer is yes, you can still do that. But uh, we need to add some more capability. We know we need to do that. Is uh, if you if you merge... And then you go, oh, I should have done that. You go in the change log, you hit the unmerge button, and everything goes back the way it was, with, just like it was before the merge. But if somebody changes something after the merge has happened, then we don't know where that data should go. Does it go to the duplicate or the other, other duplicate? You know, where does that data go? Ooh, so right now what we do is if, if it's been merged and then people have changed things, uh, you can't unmerge to get them back to what they were before, but you can restore the one that was merged away. So that's that's the difference. And then you have to kind of go back to the other one and clean off stuff that belonged to the other person. And we 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 continue to think about how we can help people recover in those situations. It's uh, it's fairly complicated and complex, and so we're trying to figure out how to present that to users. And how to have people not abuse it uh, because it could be abused pretty heavily yeah, just getting things. It would cause more war, right? I, I change it to look like I want it to look like, and then I undo all your changes and change it to what you want it to look like and so forth. So we have to we have to think hard about how to do that and how to make it so it just doesn't become a, a There's mer going merge to be war. Meeting, meetings when they're going to need some etc. Yeah, there's going to be a few of those. <laughs> okay. It says, this is from Karen. Why not include a notification that, that comes when someone has sent a message and the message has been opened? It would be nice to know that someone saw my message. Yeah, we, we're talking about that too, but uh, in order for us to do that, we have to allow a person to say, I don't want to be watched. I don't want to be monitored. Mm. Just like in any email system, you may request to know when the person opened it, but that person who you sent the message to has to have the right to say, I don't want to be, I don't want to tell you that I opened it. So since that's a problem, we, we got lots of other things to worry about. We haven't been worrying about that one in particular. Now, Monique says, when will the original ordinance date show up for our early ancestor, pioneer ancestors who did the work themselves? Those should be there. If they're not there, most chat there's two places that those ordinances could be one it could be in a duplicate that's already out there and you just need to find it but remember if it's early pioneer ancestors the only data we have to stick into the tree is what was on the temple card and so imagine if they had harry no last name deceased there would be a harry no last name but deceased in the tree with those ordinances on them and that would be next to impossible to find and it would never show up as a possible duplicate because there's just not enough information to be able to, to say that we believe these are the same person. So what I recommend to do, if you have one of those situations and you've looked carefully to see if you can find a duplicate, you've done some searches outside of hinting or outside of possible duplicates, you still can't find it, then you need to contact support and get a case started and tell them the pioneer ancestor and Tell them the temple and the date if you know that, if you have that recorded somewhere in a 
path file or a old JEDCOM file or some do books or documents. And just tell them when you believe the ordinance occurred and then all the information about that ancestor. <coughs> and the admins have the ability to be able to go search in old systems uh, for that ordinance and try to find that, and then they can help you there from that. Okay. Okay. These are requests for some items, so I'm going to have you do that later. Okay. All right. Janice said, is there a way to have a warning or a pop-up on the edit page when people go to change information? All my dates and places are sourced and show on the edit page. A warning like, are you sure you want to do this? Please check sources first. It's frustrating when people change correct information with incorrect and do not document what they enter. Something needs to be done. Yeah. Well, uh, everybody, we all have lots of ideas, and I'll take that idea back. Um, we're, you know, uh, this is one of the greatest challenges of the common tree. I think there, I think the benefits outweigh these challenges, uh, but it is a challenge, and we we are continuing to we are continually researching and discussing how we can help people do a better job and not change data that's there. I've mentioned over the years a handful of potential features that we haven't been able to do yet um, that we think will help. Um, certainly, uh, we already so we added in the new client account of the number of sources that are tagged that to those uh, dates and places in an effort to try to show people. When they go to edit it, it pops up, shows all the sources there. Um, and we do have proposals to be more aggressive in warning people uh, about that. So we recognize the pain. We've all had that. Mm -hmm. We've all had that. And uh, what some experience, you know, people have been doing this a lot, have told me as I've done some interviews and asking about these kinds of things. Is One said, I went and got a hold of the person. You know, I sent him a message, and we communicated, and I explained to him you know, why, why what they did was incorrect and, and then taught them how I knew that. They sort of spend a little time. So you spend a little, sometimes even if you connect with that relative and spend a little time and sort of teaching them how to do this and train them and why, why it was wrong and what they should have done different and what they ought to look for in the future, that oftentimes you get an advocate. There was one guy told me just the other day, just a couple of weeks ago that said, I took some time and taught this person what was going on. It was a controversial ancestor that had bad information in other path files or in books that was incorrect because they didn't have the access to the sources. And I, as as, as they come, I, I when they happened, I communicated with them. We got together. I explained to them how how it was doing it, you know, over emails, phones, uh, whatever. And uh, and then he says now. When somebody makes a change to that person, by the time I get to that person, it's all been corrected by my my relatives, because they understand now why the the new answer is right, and they actually fix it before he ever finds it. So he gets a notified that it got changed. By the time he gets there, it's already been corrected and fixed up. That's so funny. now he's got a bunch of advocates with him, helping to to keep the tree straight. So I, I would recommend spending a little time if you can. It it'll save you more time in the later. As you as you help train your relatives, proper ways to do things. Don't be angry. There, we have we find very few people. Rarely is somebody in there trying to be destructive. They're just doing the best they can and the way, when, with what they know and understand. And and we all have to help out and figure out ways to help them learn better. That's right. This is from Barbara. <laughs> when is the ordinance ready feature really gonna work? Yeah. I don't know what you she, mean. I think she it works says that they were excited to go, and when she got there, it offered her five names or ceilings, and it said it offered five, but only, um, but the only one was ready to be sealed, and the other four, either the husband or the wife, or neither had been endowed. And in one case, the wife had no ordinances done at all, only reserved, but not even printed. Okay, this is now. I'm going to explain this to you, and. We're trying to, to come up with some more uh, material to explain this. But ceilings to spouses have always been allowed to be done out of order in the temple. Um, we ask that if you have the whole reservation, meaning you have all of the people involved, you have the, the 
mother, the father, the child, the spouses, you know, you have all of that data already reserved. So you have the, the parents, the child, and the grandparents or whatever that they're going to get sealed to or whatever. If you have all of that reserved, you should always put do them in the order that we do for living, meaning all of the ordinances are done before you go do the sealings. However, when you go to the temple and you pick up a ceiling or you do ordinance ready or you do some other mechanism, um, then there will be cases where we will hand out a ceiling to spouse when one of the one or both of those parties don't have all the ordinances done. And that is acceptable uh, in that case because you don't have reserved all of those people and it's acceptable to go ahead and perform it. The ordinance is valid, but it's not effective. The ordinance is not considered effective until all the ordinances are completed for the family members in that ceiling. Brutus is home. Yeah, visiting Scared from college. Idiot. You're already done with homework, huh? No, I'm going to drink. I have water. Right, I see. Okay. You want more? No, I'm okay. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it was Jared. Mr. College Man. He's getting ready for finals, and yeah. it's craziness. Yeah. So, you know, uh, so ordinance ready is performing appropriately and in the way it should. We don't hand out a ceiling to parents without uh, the BCIE done for the child, which is our our obligation. And so, in those cases, you you won't get a ceiling to parent unless the prior ordinances are all done. But in ceiling spouse, it is acceptable for us to hand that out. Um, they, they, this one is interesting. Let's see. Okay, it says they've asked this before, but it says they just changed their display name on Family Search, and I've noticed that it does not change for those items I've already input. So I went looking around a bit, and it seems to show the display name I had at the time when I put the information. On some, it still shows an email that is no longer active, a full name I'd rather not display, et cetera, et cetera. How do I change this, or is it impossible? All right. So this can be a little confusing. She's talking about uh, I have in Family Search, and it's particularly in Family Tree. You have multiple names, believe it or not. <laughs> you have a, a username, which you use for login. You have uh, display name, which is used to, um, I don't even know if we use it anymore, but it was used a lot in New Family Search. So it's, it's just how we address you, the system. And then you have a contact name, which is public. So these are the three names that each of us have when we have an account with Family Search. You have a username. This is the name you use when you log in. You have a display name, which is uh, which is constructed. If you're a member of the church, is constructed from your first and last name. If you're a public user, uh, we construct it from the first and last name you give us when you register. This is only displayed to you. The display name is only shown to you when the system is addressing you. You know, maybe we'll say, welcome, Ron Tanner, for coming back or something like that. In New Family Search, it was displayed at the top of your page. Um, and I think it might be displaying where the little drop-down, and you can look at your preferences, and that's where it's displayed. But no one sees that one. So this one is you only. This one only you see. But this one, the contact name, that's the only one that's public. So everybody has to have a contact name. And uh, the system, if you don't edit it, will generate a contact name for you. It may use parts of your name in the display name and then add some numbers or something. You can change this contact name. So you go into settings, uh, which is the top right-hand corner. You click on... Uh, um, I don't know what you click on. I can't remember what it's called. What is it called? I don't know. How come you don't know? I don't work there. I don't think you have to work there. 
Oh, I don't get in there enough. My, my teacher has <laughs> been remiss in teaching me about this. Yeah. I have to sit here in these lectures. Yeah, so, so there's your name at the top right-hand corner. That's your display name. And then you go to settings. You click that, and you go to the you choose settings. And on the settings page, there's a contact tab. You go to the contact tab, and you can go change this name to be uh, whatever you want as long as it's unique in the system. So if you want to become, you don't want everybody to know your first and last name, for instance, you can come in and choose a different name down here, and that's what will display on the family tree and in memories when people say who contributed this information. It's this contact name. So that's the way. So just realize that your username is your own personal thing. Display name is only shown to you. It should never be shown outside to anybody else. And the contact name is the only name. Now, the only other time your other information will show is on that same settings page. You have options of, of sharing your contact name, your email, your phone number, your mobile number, and your address. And that's chosen by selecting the public flag, the public check mark next to each of those pieces of data. If you check that, then when somebody sees your contact name and they click it, they will see all that information about you. So if you want that stuff to be confidential as well, you need to go on that same settings page and uncheck the public, the public okay. setting. Okay. This is from Pam, and this is in relationship to um, your live stream from Roots Tech. It says she was really disappointed that they cut it off and didn't allow the response. Yes, I am sorry about that. I don't know why they did that. They didn't do that to all sessions. For some reason, they did it for mine. Um, but anyway. Yeah, we were, we were frustrated with that too. Yeah. This is a request feature. Want to ask if it may it could be possible to implement user-defined lists. Maybe limit the number of lists a user can generate. For example, descendants of an ancestor who was born in England between 1837 and 2018 who have no GRO birth record source attached. Or descendants who were born after 1810 and died after 1912 that do not have the 1911 UK census attached. That way we can hone in on, say, descendants with missing sources attached. Just a thought. Yeah. Certainly would be a nice thing. So mark that one as one I'm going to have to copy. Okay. In. Yeah, he's got a couple of these, so he's got. All right. While you're writing it down, Joy asks here, is there a plan to help youth be able to get on FamilySearch earlier than 16? Actually, a, um, a youth can get on to FamilySearch as early as uh, age 13. They can do that today. They have to have permission from their parents, and their parents have to approve their account before it becomes activated. Uh, we are looking at uh, options that we can do for 11-year-olds because 11-year-olds are now deacons and beehives, and they can go to the temple now. So we're working through privacy. We're working through Internet laws to see how we can offer that, and uh, we're working hard, and uh, there are several options that they're reviewing Hasn't been implemented yet, but that's what we're trying to do, get down. You can do 13 now, and then we're trying to get it down to 11. That's great. Okay, this is from Monique. I love the new chronological automatic ordering of the sources. I will no longer have to edit the title and put the year and the actual event in, right. then drag and drop sources. But my question is, if someone manually orders the sources in a different order, will that show up for everyone that way or for just the person who changed it? Um, I I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Put okay, that I will. But I think it doesn't matter if you go to it and it shows uh, in manual order. I mean, they drug it around. You can always click the a, the order at A to Z and it, or you know newest to oldest, and it'll do it for you. Okay. And then they can come in and say, no, I want the other view, and it'll reorder it back to what they had set. So I believe both sides see the same views. I, what I can't remember is if you can set it and you say, I like, you know, oldest to newest, and does it always do that when you go in? I can't remember off the top of my head whether that's remembered and applied every time you go to that tab. So that's the part I'm going to go check with engineers. I can't, I don't know if they've done that. And I haven't played with it enough. Because no, you know, tanner lines are pretty well done, and most people stay away from for the most part. Yeah. Except when you get in some places. But. Yeah, this is from Jessica. 
So on the website, I can sort sources by date or custom order. Will this be available on the app anytime soon? It makes it so much easier to see what they're missing if they are in order. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question too. Okay, um, I will write that one down and he'll... he'll. Yeah, I'll go get talk to the mobile guys. Okay, this is from Sister Sorensen. Um, why doesn't Family Search online show relationship in view my relationship like the Family Tree app does? For yeah. example, third cousin, fourth time removed. Yeah, the reason we don't show that is because um, I think we only show that in English on the app. So we don't show it in other countries or other languages. And that's because it's different for each of the different languages. We tried it on the mobile app first to see what kind of reaction we get. And actually, a lot of people don't know what removed means. And so that's a struggle. Yeah. So we're currently, for the last several months, we've been working with our translation department. And they've been doing a bunch of research for us to figure out how we could say this in such a way that everybody can understand without having to have custom phrases for every different language. And uh, we're still finalizing that work. But it, as you can imagine, that's tough to do. So we're still working on that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Justin Pace, what information in a person's other information section do hints and possible duplicate engines consider? I know it takes into account alternate names. But it seems unlikely it considers, yeah, it doesn't consider the military service or the occupations or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think it does it residences either. I, I I'll have to go. I don't, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Well, so actually, he's the next question up. Justin oh, is that Pace. the question? I don't know. It says a valuable resource for me are the early church of Jesus Christ Latter day Saints branch records from England in the 1800s. Example film numbers and whatever. However, the only access I have to these records is through microfilm. I always believed that they weren't available online because they have not been digitized. I now have beta access to the new image search online, which should have all these digitized images. However, the branch records are still not available. Do you know why or when they might become available? No, I have to go talk to the records guys about that one. So, uh, in here, uh, Tricia said, any chance we could start getting notification when names we submit to the temple file are completed? It, that is in the plan, although it's it's much later in the year uh, because we need to complete. We Our desire is to complete the, uh, the way the uh, temple file, as I discussed earlier, changes without the temple districts. And there's a few other features of the temple that has, has asked us to uh, to do first. So it's on the list. We'll get to it, but it'll be later, and then you'll start getting notified. Sorry. I know that would be really nice to have. Just a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you. He comes home, he's whatever, stressed out. This is from Sheila. She says, I am adopted, and I have found my birth mother. No problem there. Through DNA testing, I have found my paternal grandparents. My birth father could be one of two brothers. How can I document this on family search? Skip the father and link to the grandparents or link to both of the brothers explaining in the notes sections or just enter the last name for the father then explain in the notes that it could be either of the two. No one is alive, no possibility of testing potential half-siblings. That's a tough one. You'd have to know what the last name of that father might be. Well, so if you know the last name of that father, you probably need to put a put it in there as you know Mr. Smith, with some about dates and things like that. And but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily so I, I wouldn't necessarily connect those children to the grandparents, um, because people will assume people will assume that they're the children of those parents, and just start doing it even if you put it in the notes. So. My recommendation is either find enough information about the father that you can put in a, a limited amount of data or just keep researching until you can find it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, some are saying I, had, I haven't actually gone out and tried to register people, but they're saying that they, they're able to do 8-year-olds yeah, and 11-year-olds. It, it's the same process as the 13, I guess. They have to get permission or the account has to be turned on by the parents or in an email they can respond and get it done cool 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 uh, how is the consultants list populated in the contact us under help that is based on the callings that people have in the ward so in the consultants planner okay 
This one's from Sherry. And it says, why doesn't add a father or add a mother work when a child is listed with only one of the parents of the couple? Always said couple relationship always says that the couple relationship is already exists. Yeah. I have to go into the show relationship and add the missing parent in that dialogue box. That's right. That's right. So what you've got, the situation that is being discussed here is that you have a child that's showing up in two places. And this is this is good to understand. This is about relationships. So you have a mother and a father, and you have a child, and then you have a a or father, mother, child, and then you have the mother with the same child. So this is what the It has, uh, and this is kind of abbreviated, but I think you can get it. You have a father and a mother and a child, child one. And then you have a add spot for the father. And you have the same mother as this one up here. So this is mother one. And this is also mother one, the same pit. And it's the same child down here. How on earth can that be? You know, it's up here and it's down there. Well, that's because this child has two parent-child relationships. He has one that's just the mother, and he has another one that says this is a child with both the mother and the father. And the way you fix this is you delete this, you delete this relationship right here. You delete this child relationship. You go into that child relationship, you have to do the show all, and you hit delete, and then when you do, this will go away, and everything will be beautiful again. The reason why it complains is here's the mother, and then you have plus here, is when you click to add the father, and you're going to add in F1 here, it's going to say F1 and mother one are already a spouse up here. You can't have more than one uh, parent relationship or spouse relationship, excuse me, can't have more than one spouse relationship with the same two people in it. And the reason why we force that to happen is because we don't want a whole bunch of duplicate relationships being created. So if there's already one with that same father and that same mother, you can't make another one. And by default, to help, because most of the time people are adding children to couples and then and they, and you want to have a spousal relationship, most of the time we just automatically do that. So the right answer for that case is to go delete the child's relationship to the mother, the single mother, and then and if it's the same child, it'll just appear. If that person is a different child, then you're correct. You have to go in and add the father to that parent-child relationship, and that happens. It's It doesn't happen that much. It kind of happened early on a lot, and uh, but that's why, because okay. we're trying to not have duplicate relationships. This is from Steve, and he says the ordinance feature is excellent. Uh, however, when you click Take to the Temple button, it takes you directly to printing cards. I want to first reserve them, review them, and make sure they're good, and then decide to print some or all of them, possibly along with other names that I have already reserved. I would prefer that the names selected are the only reserved and not immediately printed. Can this be an option in the process? Uh, no, the purpose of Ordinance Ready is to to, to help people have a, the, the intent is someone's wanting to go to the temple and, have and have a personal experience, and so we're trying to make it easy so people can do it. They don't have to worry about reservation lists and checking it and clicking print and which card to print, the FOR or the or the family name cards. And we're trying to make it really super simple for someone to get a name to take to the temple that they're related to. And as I said earlier, if you don't want to take those people, then um, <clears throat> then uncheck the boxes on the side and won't take them. Or just push the button and print it it doesn't matter you don't have to print it on your paper on your on your printer just print it it pops up a dialogue another another page that shows the printout just delete it but they're on your reservation list so now you can go look at them and do more research and if you don't want them you just unreserve them sounds like a plan so okay, okay. here's one from gretchen i really like the previous versions of how portraits appeared when you wanted to change it you click on it, and the format that you choose would appear. I don't like the new 
portrait view that has been resized. <laughs> I guess. Why um, was it changed? I don't know if it's resized. I don't think it's in, it's and there's and it's a lot of ways it's better because you you go get a picture and then you can put it a circle over it and then you can zoom it in and zoom it out to make it nice and fill the fill the circle. The only thing that really changed was you could only have one portrait and uh, we used to have the concept of preferred portraits when we did research and all of those that had a portrait it was like 99.99% of them only had one portrait mm -hmm. so we had the portrait service wasn't fast and didn't scale right and so we had to rebuild it and we decided when we rebuilt it since there were so few that had it didn't seem like it was a few but the percentage was so small that had more than one portrait that we built it for speed and efficiency and moved to just one portrait uh, let's see, Carl says, do the view relationships only get calculated on periodic cycle? Uh, yeah, no, Carl, those those get generated on the fly. The relationship gets generated, generated on the fly. And, uh, and you're saying that some kids were added 15 generations out. Uh, I don't know if your relationship thing was going that high, so that could be one issue. But... Uh, the, the system that is tracking relationships uh, gets information from the family tree back in <coughs> just as fast as it can. And, you know, oftentimes it's doing millions of recalculations every second. And there, are, there will be occasions when it get, could get backed up or take a few minutes, something like that. Um, but I, I haven't heard any reports of this. Uh, so if you have a particular example... Or, or if you can, if I don't know, I'll bring it up, but I, I think it would be difficult to track down because it probably resolved itself. Unless you say right now they're not showing up, but that may be because it's not going down that path as a relationship for you. Uh, remember the relationship, uh, how you view your relationship between you and a deceased person takes the shortest path. That's oftentimes the direct route, but not necessarily always. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's 8.30. Let's do one more. Let's hear this one. I guess it's Pa. Paul. I don't know. It says, are you tracking the number of possible duplicates? I mean, are they increasing or decreasing? We do track the number of duplicates. It's a, it's a very important metric for us as this is one of our primary reasons for existing. And the, and the duplicate rate is actually decreasing. We actually went through a process just recently to reevaluate and see where we are and it's actually decreasing so it's doing very well uh, you may not always feel that way uh, especially if you're doing a lot of possible duplicates uh, putting together but the the rate at which duplication is entering the system is is uh, is slower or slowing while the rate that you're cleaning them up is increasing so we appreciate your assistance. There will always be duplication. I want to make that clear. There's there's never going to be a time when we will have zero duplication. I think that will only happen during the millennium. When the Lord puts you Yeah, when the Lord takes care of it because they're just the, the records are just not perfect enough to make determinations and people will say, Well, I don't think that's close enough to match and so they'll they'll make a, a duplicate. So you know, we're never gonna be duplicate until those times, I suspect just because we're imperfect people working on imperfect records. True. So uh, let me see. And here it has Monique. Boy, I see uh, Monique's been asking a lot of questions. Maybe somebody answered it below. Uh, okay. Okay, looks like some answers are happening. Watch your daughter-in-law's online. He just said Nicole, or Erica was online. Really? Yes. I don't think she's... Oh. Oh, hi, Erica. Thanks for joining us. Okay, I think we're kind of winding down. It's uh, 8.30. Mm -hmm. We've had a, a really good session. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope we answered a lot of questions for you. Uh, keep submitting those questions. You know, we're uh, we're in the late March yep. time frame, so we're catching up. We try to answer as fast as we can to catch up from those few moments, those few times that we were out because I was out for pneumonia. And so, family. Our roots tech. Yeah, roots tech and stuff. So uh, keep submitting those questions. Remember, you can submit them anytime. You don't have to wait to talk about ask those questions until now. You can submit them early. We just do 
first one's on the list. The next one that submitted the question is the first one we answer. And as you saw, we pick a few that come out yeah. uh, on the live just to, so you can get some questions answered. So thank you very much. We appreciate all you do. I'm grateful for your willingness to work in a community tree. It's not easy sometimes, but I th but we're doing a great work. It, it's are. amazing the work, how it's progressing and accelerating all over the world. And really I, we just looked at the biggest tree uh, again in preparation for a presentation I'm doing here in the next week or so. And and it's grown another, you know, like six million. It's in the it's in the or no almost ten million. It's in the four hundred eighty million stage. Isn't that amazing. Just, that's in, just the, a, in the last six uh, weeks. That's the last six weeks. Mm. So it really is. We we are really one family. It's just amazing yeah. to me to see that. And thank you for all you do and for all your help and for all you do to help others understand how the system works. I really appreciate it. I want you all to have a good night and happy Easter. Oh yeah, I really right. hope that it's a good holiday for everyone involved. All right. We'll see you later. Take care. Have a good evening. That's going to do it for us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Family History Ron. So what can you do to support us and helping us with our goal of sharing family history with the world? Well, let me give you a few things you can do right now. First, you could head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast and give us a five-star review. By boosting our reviews, it puts us to the top of the list, which lets our podcast be seen by a whole new group of people, which means more people, more listeners, and the more people we get to educate. Second, you could leave a review on the podcast and let us know what you love about it. It always helps us know what to create more of for you. Third, you could share the podcast with those you know who love genealogy and history as much as we do. Those three things are super simple. You could do them in five minutes even, and it would help us boost and share our knowledge with those around us. Lastly, if you want to catch Ron live, because he's always way more fun when he's doing hand actions and drawing you crazy pictures on his whiteboard, <laughs> then head over to Facebook, search Family History Ron, and follow or like the page. We go live twice a month. It's always on a Thursday. And they start at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We can't wait to see you there.